Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are How's everybody doing on this spring forward morning? You know, a lot of people don't like this time. I actually love this time because the days are longer. Um, but that's just me. But I know a lot of people like the other time. And I think there's certain states that don't even have um, this time change stuff. My brother-in-law lives in Hawaii and they don't have this. It's, um, it's the spring forward all year round for them. So they don't, they don't switch times. So I personally like the spring forward time because the days are longer. I get to spend more time outside in the yard and whatever. Okay, amen. So for the past few weeks, we have been recently talking in this house about building. About building. And I believe that the Lord is building something very special within this church. But in order to build something strong on the outside, we first need to have a correct foundation on the inside. Can you guys agree with that? Right? The inside needs to be strong in order for the outward to be effective. So what good is a house that has a physical nice appearance on the outside, but yet has a weak infrastructure? It's like a house built on sand, and we hear Jesus speak about this in Scripture. It may look nice from afar, but when the storm comes, it's going to crumble. And it's not going to stand firm. And something special has been happening here. And, and for those of you who have been coming, you, you sense something different in the air, right? You sense that there's something different in the atmosphere. And there's something happening here at our nest for the past few weeks. And it's beautiful because we've seen so many of you stand up to the plate and Pastor Rigo has said this before. I forgot what the, what the percentage is of the church that actually serves. But imagine if we had 100% of the church to be serving. And I think we're getting there. Why? Because God is moving with the, within the hearts of his people in here. And that's something to be praised. That's something awesome. Because a lot of you have said, yes, I want to be part of a community. I want to be part of this family. And I have these gifts that I want to share with the body of Christ. And in these gifts and through these gifts to serve the kingdom of God. And we're able to do this all because of one thing. And it's not because on our own we get to magnify our gifts. But it's because of the cross of Jesus Christ that has allowed us to shine in such a moment to give God all of the glory with the gifts that he has given us. So I applaud you, church, in bringing these gifts, not just to the house of God, but before the Lord. And I know that it is being honored in God's presence. Amen? And we know in here today that God has plans for this house. He has plans, but I also believe that God has plans to work within us and through us and he's building something special within every person that is sitting here today. He's building something special within us. And I want you to know this church that it, it starts from the inside. So we got to be good on the inside so we can be effective on the outside. Our foundation on the inside needs to be solid. Because with a solid foundation we can be 
thrown to and fro. And yet we're going to stand the test of time. And all this is possible because God is able. Look to the person next to you. Tell them God is able. God is able. So if you are taking notes today, the title of the message is Building the Temple Within. Building the Temple. And we need to build inward so we can build outward. And we do this because we are able, or better yet, because God is able. God is able. God has been stirring this word in my heart for a long time. Knowing that he is able. And so many times, yes, we say it and we know, yes, Lord, that you are able, but do we believe it? It's so easy for doubts to creep in. It's so easy for us to say, yes, Lord, I know what your word says, and I know that you are able to do these things, but I don't even believe these things for myself. Have you been there before? I've been there before. Absolutely. And what does able mean? And the definition of able is this, is having the power, the skill, the means, or the opportunity to do something. Everyone in here is able. We're all able to do something. We all have a type of skill, a type of talent. And like I said, the problem for us is maybe that it's been suppressed. Maybe you've suppressed this. You see, the enemy is very good at suppressing our gifts when it comes to the things of the Lord. He's going to whisper things in your ear that are just not true. That you're not too good at that. And you just won't cut it here. And people are going to laugh at you if you start doing these things for God. And the list goes on and on and on. But what we fail to remember is what God has built up in you, no enemy can stand against. A lot of you guys know me personally. And when I first came to the Lord, which was in 2015, I was very radical. And I started doing things that people thought I was very weird. So I started to go out and started to do a lot of street preaching. And yes, I was the crazy guy on the corner holding a sign that says freedom in Jesus. These things are weird. What's well, weird to the world, right? I hope it's not weird to you guys. But it's weird to the world. And the enemy was very good at trying to tear me down every time I was going to go out and do street ministry. And all these crazy thoughts started running through my head. Oh, man, I wonder how many people pass me by and laugh at me. That's what the enemy starts speaking to me. I wonder how many people, when I tell them that I do street ministry, that I'm a man standing on the corner with a microphone and I have a big sign that says freedom in Jesus, I wonder what they think. But does it matter what people think? It might matter. It might not matter. But you know what I come to realize? That in me standing out there, let's say I was usually out there for about an hour, an hour and a half. If a thousand cars passed me, I used to stand in a very busy intersection. If a thousand cars would pass me, and if only one person saw the sign and said freedom in Jesus, and then they decided to go home and go on Google and see, let me see who Jesus is and what freedom it is that this crazy man is talking about, then it's all worth it. It's all worth it. So I will take the crazy that people say I am. We are not normal. I always point to that code because it's the truth. We're not normal people. Christians are not normal people. We're radical people sold out for the cause of Christ. And it's okay because I choose to be not normal. And right under it, I know a lot of you can't see it because it's a small print, but it says, be remarkable. And that's what we choose to be. We choose to be remarkable. Be remarkable, church. 
So we fail that. We fail in that. What God has built up in you, no enemy could stand against it. And we know this, right? We, know, we can't do anything in our own power, but we do it by the power of the one who lives, in, in us, who lives within us. We are able to have these gifts and these talents through Christ, not on our own accord, but by His power. By His power. So today, I'm really just going to continue on what Pastor Rigo has been preaching on. So last week, he got into David and to Solomon. If you were not here, I highly encourage you to listen to last week's message and the week prior. Because Pastor Rigo did a phenomenal job of laying down foundation on the story of David and Solomon. And we went, and we went into all these things and what they looked like and all of the preparation that was needed for the temple to be built. And we saw the timeline on how long it, on how long it took. And I believe Pastor Rigo was saying it took about seven years for Solomon's temple to, to be built. And then the rest of the time he spent building his palace. So I recall it was about 20 years in total. And we went into some of the amounts of money that it would be equivalent to today if that temple would have built, been built today. And I believe Pastor said it is equivalent to $194 billion. So the temple, we could imagine what it would have looked like on the outside. But I actually love what Pastor started talking about. He started to say that it doesn't matter how glamorous the temple is. It doesn't matter what the temple looked like on the outside. Because we are no good. The building is no good if the presence of the Lord is not there. It will be all for show. It will be all for glamour. We will look nice on the outside, but dead on the inside. It's kind of like what the Pharisees were. The Pharisees possessed thousands of scriptures. And I always think about the story with the demoniac. A man possessed with thousands of demons knew Jesus. But yet the Pharisees who possessed thousands of scriptures didn't know him. That's what it reminds me of. We could have all of this knowledge and we could speak nice and we could minister to people. But yet if we are dead on the inside, what good is it? You know, I could, I could stand up here and I could preach to you today until I turn blue in the face. But if within this temple... The Holy Spirit does not reside. I am preaching to you in vain. I'm preaching to you in vain. And church, the reality is, is that we're called to be alive. Alive in Christ. And if the Spirit of God, I just said, the Spirit of God does not live within this temple, then that's what the building is ever going to be. Empty. The building is just going to look nice on the outside. So the importance here. It's not the outward temple, but the inward temple. So we must make sure that our inward temple is strong. Is our inward temple strong in here? And we see all this, all this throughout Scripture, how God has given certain talents to people in the midst of their doubts. In the midst of their doubting, God was building an inward temple, yet many did not recognize it. So we're going to be going into the book of Exodus now in a second. And now here we see Moses. But this is a different type of inward building that God was doing within Moses. You see, because Moses was at a place where he was fearful. And he was questioning and doubting God. But the Lord was building something 
up in him to make him strong. He was building a temple within him so that Moses could be effective in the temple outside of him. So if you could turn with me to Exodus chapter 3, we're going to be reading from verses 11 to 15. And you could give me an amen when you're there. Amen. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. So verse 11, But Moses said to God, Who am I? Who am I? That I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Verse 12, And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. I am who I am. This is what you are to say to them. To the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. Verse 15, God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. And I love this exchange between Moses and God. I love the exchange here because Moses doubted what God had built up in him. He didn't see it. He didn't see it. Moses questioned his ability he even questioned God after the Lord told him, I will be with you, Moses. You see, Moses had all the questions for God, and the Lord answered all of his questions. But he was still fearful. He was still scared. He was still uncertain. Kind of like saying, Lord, I'm not sure if you're able. I know you're powerful, but I just don't see this happening in my life. Have you been there? I think all of us have been there. Especially after God is saying, yes, I'm going to be with you. We all still fear things. We all still doubt things. But the truth of the matter is, is that God is able. God is able. And Moses, Moses kept on thinking, oh man, maybe I'm not, just the right, I'm not the right person for the job. And we question the Lord. And God is saying yes and amen to these things over your life. Let me ask you this. Have you ever feared or have you ever lived in fear of something that God says that he's handling? Have you ever faced a situation like that where God is telling you, man, just take a step back and let me work. But yet we still live in fear. We still live in the fear of, of the unknown when God has said yes and amen. We've all been there. And we forget that God is able. And check this out. We operate from a place of fear instead of from a place of faith. And this exchange continues with Moses and the Lord. And we see in chapter 4, Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servants. I am slow of speech and tongue. And the Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouth, Moses? Who makes them deaf or mute, Moses? Who gives them sight or makes them blind, Moses? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what you need to say. You see, in the beginning, Moses operated from the place of fear because he was fearful. 
Even when the Lord is saying yes and amen to a situation. And this is me and maybe it's some of you. You think you have nothing powerful to speak. And we doubt every word or the very words that God has placed within our hearts. And so many times we just doubt our ability because we forget who is the one that equips us. We forget about the one who built us and we forget and we believe that he is not able, but God is able. He is able through the situation. And the exchange continues with them between God and Moses. And, and where Moses is saying, I can't, but the Lord is telling him, yes, you can. And I'm building something up in you that no man can come against Moses. You see, the Lord sent him on a mission. A mission that he questioned, a mission that he was fearful of, a mission that he doubted. A mission that he didn't think he was the right person for. But all throughout it, the Lord was building something powerful inwardly in Moses. So in the middle of Moses' fear, in the middle of Moses' doubt, in the middle of Moses' unanswered questions, man, God is saying, I'm with you, Moses. And I'm building something in you that is going to make you strong. Because the outside might look good, Moses, but if the inside of you is not good, how are you going to lead people out of Egypt? You see, it wasn't that Moses was unable. It's that he let fear be the driving force in the situation, the fear of unknown. Fear of what he was going to say. Fear that he would fail. Fear that he wasn't the right person for the mission. He was building something up in him. Something that was going to be so great that he was going to deliver people who were held captive for hundreds of years. And the whole time, God is saying, you're able, Moses. Not on your own accord, but through me. Through the Lord of hosts that has sent you, you are able. And Moses was able. He just didn't realize it. He didn't realize the temple that God was building within him. But eventually, Moses got to the place of faith. He got there. And we see this in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, verses 23 through 29. And it says this, by faith, Moses, and I love how this starts, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. Verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he looked to the reward. Verse 27, by faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Verse 29, by faith they passed through the Red Sea, as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. You see, in the moment he was to come from Pharaoh, he was fearful. How many times haven't you needed to confront something and you were fearful? That's happened to me plenty. A lot of you guys know, and I say this every time I'm up here, a lot of you guys know... I, I've been a cop for 10 years. And there's just some times where I get dispatched to certain calls and I get there 
And man, I'm super scared because I have no idea what is going to happen. I have no idea what I'm going to confront. I have no idea what is going to stand before me. I'm fearful, and it's okay to, it's okay to be fearful. Fear some, let me tell you something. Fear sometimes is a good thing, right? Fear is what's going to keep you from looking over the ledge of a thousand-foot cliff and going to jump over. Why don't you jump? Because fear is holding you back, right? You're not going to jump out of a plane without a parachute. Why? Because you're fearful. So fear sometimes is a good thing. But so many times I will get to certain types of calls and I walk in very fearful. Especially if I'm the first cop there. <laughs> I get out of the car and I'm trembling sometimes. Because I don't know what's going to happen. But the Lord is whispering to you, I am with you. I am with you. Just as Moses, he was confronting Pharaoh. He was fearful because he had to make a confrontation in front of one of the kings of Israel. Uh, not of Israel, of Egypt. Somebody who has held his people captive for hundreds of years. He's fearful. But God whispered to Moses' his heart, I am with you. It's like a scripture I said, man, I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not through me, not through my own power, but through Jesus. He strengthens us. So instead of operating from a place of fear, we operate from a place of faith. And that's what we're called to do, church, to operate from a place of faith. Do you believe God's promises over your life today, church? There's a lot of promises in the Bible. So what does God being able look like in your life? Maybe you need to ask yourself that. He is able, but have you suppressed the truth of him being able? Have you ran away from what he is trying to build up within you? Maybe this is a good question. When does the running stop? And when do you begin to allow the Lord to construct what he has been trying to create in you? Because you have a talent. You have a gift. You have something to offer because God is able. Amen? So what holds all of this together? What makes the infrastructure of the temple, of your temple, last? What gives you such a solid foundation? Have any of you been to Ikea? You, you love Ikea? I really don't like Ikea. You know, they designed that store a specific way on purpose. There's no windows in there. It's just a maze. And they do that on purpose so you get to see every single item that they offer. Anyway, so Ikea is very, it's a very interesting store to me because they have all of the things super nice and built. And if you're going to go there to buy furniture, it looks so nice. Oh, man, what a beautiful dresser. And it looks great. And then to your dismay, you have to get the box and build it yourself. What? Man, come on, man. What is that? Okay, I understand. It's a little bit cheaper. Okay. So, okay, you get the box and you start opening the stuff up and then you have a bag with a million screws in it. Okay. And then they give you one little tool. It's like a little Allen wrench. It's like, what am I supposed to do with this? And then the best part, the instructions. Those instructions, forgive me for saying this, but they are straight from the pit of hell. Eso está escrito en chino. You know what that means? That they're written in Chinese. I look at those instructions, I go, you got to be joking me. For a dresser, there's 89 steps? You got to be joking. And then the best part is, once you're done building whatever you're going to build, I got like 30 screws left over. 
okay, I know I messed it up. There's something wrong here. Because the dresser looks terrific. It looks awesome on the outside. But I know there's something on the inside that I forgot. And imagine that. Imagine if I miss screwing in a crucial piece of that. I'm going to put my clothes, I'm going to put a lot of stuff in there. What's going to happen? The dresser's going to fall to the floor. Thank you, Ikea. Thank you, Ikea. Me personally, listen, I'd rather just spend a little bit more and have the thing built. I throw it in the back of my truck. That's it, game over. But imagine if I miss the most crucial part of the dresser that I'm trying to build. It's going to look great, but it's going to crumble when I put things in it. The dresser needs to be solid. The foundation needs to be solid for it to function properly. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. And we're going to look at what holds everything together in our faith. Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to be reading verses 19 through 22. Verse 19. Now, therefore... You are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household. Catch that word household. We are, I hope you know, we are the household. The household is not a building. We are the household. The household of God. Verse 20. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. You should write that in your notes. Jesus is the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirits. What does that mean? This is not the temple. The building is the four walls. It's not the temple. You are the temple. And look what he's saying at the end. We're being fitted together to grow holy, a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. He is what completes the temple. There is no temple without him. All you're going to have is a fancy building for looks. A nice outward appearance. You have a building with an empty inside. It's not occupied. There's no furniture from Ikea. There's no life inside these four walls of the building. It's empty. The temple is empty without him. The building is not strong because it wasn't built on solid ground. The foundation wasn't set because Christ is not the cornerstone of the foundation that you have. And look at what Jesus says. Matthew chapter 7. 25 through 27. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will like him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And this is us. We're building upon the rock. Right? Verse 25. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. You know, these things that are built upon that they're built upon the rock are a solid foundation. And they're hard to bring down. They're sturdy. They are solid. They are built with intent. Verse 26. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine, and I love this, I love this verse, and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rain descended, 
right? The trial came into your life. The floods came. The fire started in your life. And the winds blew and beat upon that house. And you don't see an end to your situation because the winds don't stop. It just keeps coming. And it fell. And it was a great fall, Jesus says. Uh, and look, look how he says it. Not only did it fall, but it was a great fall. A hard fall. Because from the beginning, it was destined to fail. It didn't have the right structure. It didn't have the correct materials. And most of all, it didn't have the cheap cornerstone to hold it up. But not us. Not us, right? Our building is strong. And this is what Jesus was doing amongst his people, building temples in everyone. Why? Because we are built on the firm foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ being the chief cornerstone of our faith. Chief, meaning he's the top. He's the foundation setter. Without him in our building, our building is built on sand. We are fitted together because of him, and we grow holy together because he is now the occupant of our temple. It starts from within. From the very beginning, Jesus was the temple. He is everywhere building temples within every single believer. That's why he commands us to go out and to preach the gospel. So we can tell people about the temple built in us. How else are temples supposed to be built if people are not sent out to tell them about the temple builder? Look at what 1 Corinthians says. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 through 20. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Church, we are the temple. This is the temple. The temple that Christ has built. The temple that lives within us. And he is building a strong temple with us, within us. So our outward temple can shine. So take care of your temple. Look at what's, what verse 20 says. This temple, your temple... It wasn't free. It was a price was paid. It's not a cheap temple. It's not cheap, made with cheap materials. It was paid for in blood. And there is greatness now that lives within you. You were bought at a price. Take care of your temple. Pastor Regal shared this with some of us. It was a song that he put in one of the chats that we're part of. And it's pretty much this it's not a building that needs to be filled. It's the heart of the believer that needs to be consumed by the Holy Spirit. Is the Holy Spirit consuming your temple in here today? And I don't know what the Lord is building in you, but I know that foundation has been already set if you have Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is the cornerstone of our faith. And because of Jesus, we have been filled inwardly so we can be effective outwardly. That's what I told you. I could preach here. Pastor Rico could preach here. Anyone could preach. You could get the best preachers in the world to come and stand on any platform anywhere. But if that person, if that person's temple isn't filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, all you have is a motivational speaker. That's all you have. Someone to encourage and to motivate you. 
Because where are the words coming from? The words are coming from man instead of from the kingdom of God. It's not coming from the throne room of heaven. You have power to speak good things. And I love how Moses, he confronted the Lord. I don't speak eloquently, Lord. I don't speak very nice. Are you sure it's me that you want me to go and speak to Pharaoh? That he could have my head chopped off in a blink of an eye? I'm not sure I'm the person to do this. Moses, I'm building something up in you. You may not see these things right now. You may not believe that I'm doing a good work in you, Moses. But I'm building up something in you that people are going to look at you as someone who has freed a nation. If he could do that in Moses, why do we limit ourselves on what God could do within our own life? Why do we limit it? Is it out of fear? Is it because we get uncomfortable? Is it because we think we don't speak eloquently? I'm the first one to say, I don't speak well. I don't feel like I speak well at all. I don't have eloquent words. Listen, let me not say that. I don't want to offend anybody. I don't feel like I speak well at all. But then you get to a place and you realize, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. It's not me that's speaking. We speak through the power of the Holy Spirit by the power that lives within me. And why do we do this? Why do you go and speak to your co-workers about Christ? Why do you speak to your family about Christ? Never mind the fact that we're commanded to do so. But why do you do it? And I've shared this before. It's because the who and the why. Who do you do it for and why are you doing it? We don't do it to get the approval of man. Man, we do it to point people to the cross of Christ. Where freedom lies. Where freedom is. That's why we do these things. You guys agree with that? Or am I just talking crazy here today? Let's be effective. Let's be effective inwardly so we could be effective outwardly. Let's make sure that this temple is not corrupt. Let's pray for that man on that motorcycle out there. That is far, and we heard that. Lord God, that you are with that man. Be effective. Make sure the foundation inside your temple is foundation that is going to last forever. Worship team, you could, you could start coming up. Make sure that it is sound, solid foundation that you have within your church. You know, there is a time for everything. There is a season for everything. That's why we have, we're just within creation itself, we have four different seasons. Except in Miami, we have summer all year round. Right? We have like pre-summer, which is like what we're in now. And then we get to like rainy season, which is still summer because it's humidity and it is extremely hot. Then you get the really, really hot days. And then we are very lucky. We only get two days of winter. We get two days of 50 degrees and the fur boots come out. You know who I'm talking about. And it's okay. Fur boots are good. My wife, I don't know if my wife has a pair of fur boots, but they're good. They're nice. But yes, there's a season and a time for everything. And I'm sure that many of you have experienced different seasons in your life, right? Hard seasons and good seasons. Sick seasons, healthy seasons. Sad seasons, happy seasons. Bitter seasons, joyous seasons. 
Times of doubt and times of answers. Times of prosperity and times of need. Times of your life where things needed to be torn down and times where things were being built up. Everything has a season. And church, I can tell you now that this house is in the season of building up. That's the season that this church is in. A season of building up. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says this, For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die. Check this, a time to plant and a time to harvest. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. Look what verse number 2 says one more time. A time to plant and a time to harvest. You have planted, church, because of your obedience in Christ, and now we reap the harvest. And in verse 14, it says this, And I know whatever God does is final. Nothing can be added to it or taken from it. God has the final blueprint for the final building. We can't take away or add extra. What He is building in you, church, is final. And he is faithful to continue a good work in you. Take care of the temple he has given you. Take care of it. The time for tearing down is done with. And now we build. It is the season we are in. And we are building. Why? Because you have counted the cost. And we have found the cost to be worthy. This is the time of Nest Church. This is your time. A time of building inward. So God's light can shine outward. A season for everything, church, because God is able. God is able. And I don't know if you've noticed this, church, but if you're sitting here today, the Holy Spirit that dwells within the believer is building something within you. And it's not something of a weak foundation. It's not something that will crumble and fall. It's not something that lasts for a little while and then goes away. But the Holy Spirit is something that lasts forever, that perseveres. It's not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of faithfulness. That is the power of the Spirit that every believer possesses. And Pastor said this last week, if you're going to build, build on the right things. Build on sanctification, on consecration, and on holiness. Let's build on things that are going to last, church. Things that are going to stand the test of time. Build on faith. Build on hope. Build on love. Build from the inside. Our temple, temple within stands firm because Jesus is the chief cornerstone. And this house needs to be solid. It needs to be strong. It needs to be holy because we are the building, the temple of the Holy Spirit. Make sure you don't corrupt your temple. And know this, church, that through your temple, God is able. God is able. You can stand with me today. How do I know that God is able? I hope you know how God is able. But how do we know that God is able? It's because our, ha our house stands on the solid foundation of the gospel. It stands on the solid foundation of the gospel. And the gospel starts with God and the gospel is God so what does a good God do with people like us 
We've broken His commandments. We've sinned against Him. We've broken every single law that He has. We've rebelled against Him. We have left God's ways and we've gone our own ways. So what does He do with us? Guilty sinners before His throne. And we all have sinned and it looks different in everybody's life. But we've all sinned against Him. And the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Do you know what that means, falling short? That means that we don't even come close. We fall short of the glory of God. And because of sin, there is a penalty to be paid. And scripture says that for the wages of sin is death. Church, do you know what wages are? It's something that you earn. It's something that you merit. That's how serious God takes sin, that he has assigned it the death penalty. And if we die in a state of sin, we will be eternally separated from God forever. That's bad news. That's terrible news. That's horrifying news. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. But I have good news for you, church. I have good news for you. I want to encourage you today. Because that's what gospel means. Gospel means good news. Say it with me. Good news. There is good news here. You see, because God being rich in mercy and being rich in love has made a way for a guilty sinner like me to be reconciled to him. 2,000 years ago, God came to this earth in the form of a man in the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus lived a perfect life of 33 years, a life that you and me cannot live for 33 seconds. And while Jesus was here, he was beaten and he was mocked and he was spit upon. And then he had a crown of thorns placed upon his head and then he picked up a cross and he went all the way to Calvary. And on Calvary, he was nailed to the cross for the sins of the world. And he died on the cross for the sins of the world. But the story doesn't end there because three days later, he was resurrected, taking victory over sin and conquering death. And this is the love of God, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world may be saved through him. You see, church, Jesus didn't come on a judgment mission. He came on a rescue mission. He came to rescue us. And if you have accepted the gospel, know, church, that you have been rescued. And if you have been rescued, God now commands something from everyone. He commands men everywhere to repent and believe in Christ and in Christ alone. Romans chapter 10 says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. For all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So be encouraged, church. Because of your faith and trust in the gospel, God is building. He's building up something in you. And he that begins a good work in you shall finish it. And just like Moses, in the middle of your doubts, remind yourself the promises of the Lord. Because when I look at Scripture, and I opened up with this, when I look at Scripture, and it says that He is for me and He is not against me, I know that my God is able. 
When I look at the word and it says that I will mount up on wings of eagles, I know that my God is able. When you feel surrounded, know this church that your God is able. When you feel like you were dry, know that God is able. In the middle of your storm, know that God is able. In the middle of the fire, know God is able. In the middle of your circumstance, know this church, God is able. Have you ever thought, how am I going to get through this? The situation before me, Lord, I don't see a light to it. What am I going to do? I don't have the strength to go on another day. It doesn't matter what we feel sometimes. It doesn't matter what you think sometimes. What matters is truth. And truth is this, that God is able. God is able. And we get through it. We get through it through all of these things because of Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone of our faith. Yes and amen. Yes and amen. I don't know what you are experiencing here today, church. I don't know the heaviness that you carry. There are times in my walk and in my life that I carry heaviness and I am confronted with situations that I just do not know how I am going to face them. And I'm sure if we go around the room, we can hear of testimony and we can hear of stories of how God has pulled you through the fire. That's why you're standing here today because I guarantee each and every one of you in here has been through a fire, but you're here standing today with your hands lifted high saying, God, you are able through the fire. You are able, Lord. You are good, Lord. That there is nothing that can come against me, Lord. Because I know what you are building in me. And what you are building in me is going to stand the test of time. Because my house is not built on sand, but it is built on solid foundation. I don't know if you need prayer. I don't know if you are someone that the foundation is not set quite right. And you need Jesus to be the chief cornerstone. You could come to the altar or right where you're at. You could lift your hands. And church, let's come into agreement today. Lord God, we thank you, Lord. Lord, because we have recognized that without you in living inside of our temple, Lord, we are a house that is weak, a house that will crumble. But Jesus, we know that you are the chief cornerstone, that you are the one that holds every single piece together. And we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for the cross, because through the cross, you have made that possible. So, Lord, I lift up my brothers and sisters in here today. Lord, strengthen what needs to be strengthened. Correct what needs to be corrected. I encourage them in here today, Father God, that they may know that you have never left them, but that you are a father with arms open wide, saying, come and see and taste and know that I am able. I thank you for them today, Father God. I thank you for this church, Lord, and what you are doing in here, Lord. I thank you for the building, Father God. The building inward of this temple. The building inward of your temple, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you can say, yes, job well done, good and faithful servant. So I surrender this to you today, Father God. 
I thank you for who you are. I ask for blessing over this house today, Lord. That people operate from a place of faith and not of fear. We thank you, God. We honor you. We give you all of the glory and all of the praise. And together, God's people say, yes and amen.